And as you turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, thank you, Ronnie, for sharing with us about the good work of Gideon's. As you heard him mention, it seems like that the Bible is under attack in our country today, and we know that the family is also under attack. And uh, for that reason, we're doing this sermon series, because the Ten Commandments can act as a tool to help, help us evaluate how we're doing, not only as people, but as families, and to give us God's prescription for how we can be healthier men and women, boys and girls, and how we can contribute to having healthier families. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you. Now, the first thing I want to think about this morning is, why does God give us this commandment? Why right here? Well, the first four commandments we've looked at really have focused on our relationship with God. And if you remember, the foundational commandment to all ten, but especially those first four, is the command that we are to love and worship God alone. There are no others beside Him. We're to have no graven images. We worship God. He deserves first place in our life. And that is foundational to honoring His name and remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. Likewise, this commandment is foundational to the last six. Because the last six commandments deal with our relationship with other people in the world. It's about how I relate to the rest of society. And the foundation to my relationship with everyone else in society is my relationship with my family. That's the first reason God gives us this commandment, is because family is foundational. It's the bedrock for all other human relationships. Now, why is that? Why is family so foundational. A few reasons. One is that families provide emotional stability. Every one of us has an ingrained emotional need to belong because God created us for community. When God created the first family, when He made Adam and Eve, He created them to need each other, to want and desire each other. He created us to have relationships not just with Him, but with other people. And God's plan for the family was that it would be the first place where we could safely belong, where we could know what it was to love and to be loved, where we could be accepted for who we are. It's where our personal identities are molded and shaped. And so when a family can provide that kind of emotional strength and stability, it helps parents and children stand strong in a shaky world. Families provide emotional Stability. Secondly, they provide cultural training. The home is where life charts its path. It's where young minds are shaped, where values and traditions are passed on. That's why the home traditionally is the place for education. And even to this day, there's lots of homeschool families. And, and even if your child isn't homeschooled, educators will tell you that a child does so much better when they're getting reinforcement at home. When they have parents who read with them and read to them, those children are much more likely to, to, to be readers. When those parents show an interest and work with them on their homework and teach them good study skills, those children will excel. The home is, is the place for teaching life skills and passing on those important things they're not going to learn in school. And most importantly, it's the place where our faith is instilled and nurtured. Faith truly does begin at home. And that's why following the restatement of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5, and we heard uh, a little bit of that read this morning in our Old Testament reading, 
following that restatement of the Ten Commandments, God instructs His people in this. He says, impress these commandments on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, he says, saturate your children in the Word of God. Surround them with it. So that everywhere they look, everything they do, they are confronted with the Word of God. And the third thing families provide is relational training. This is one of the main reasons the fifth commandment is so foundational to these final six. Because it's within the home that we learn how to treat other people, isn't it? And if children are raised to respect their parents and siblings, to treat them with dignity, to treat them with respect, to be considerate of their feelings, then that's the way they're going to treat their teachers and their schoolmates, right? And families where children are allowed to just be disrespectful and disregard the feelings of other people... Don't be surprised when they treat other people in the world that way. For these reasons, the family is foundational. And that's why God gives us this command. But families are also flawed. Families are flawed because of sin. We know there are no perfect families, are there? There are no perfect parents. We all have weaknesses and faults. We all can be inconsistent at times. There isn't a parent in this room who hasn't made their fair share of mistakes. Because the only perfect parent is our good Father in heaven. And the choir is going to be singing about that a little bit later. Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the Father's glory, every family represented in this room is in some way dysfunctional. That's why we need these Ten Commandments. That's why we need God's grace. And by God's continual grace and our striving to live by these ten rules of life, we can become the kind of families that do provide that emotional stability. See, it's precisely because no parent is perfect that God has to command us to honor our parents. Right? And sadly, some parents aren't worthy of honor. Let's just be honest. Some parents are abusive. Manipulative, neglectful. What are you supposed to do if that's the kind of home you grew up in? What is God telling you to do through this command? Are you supposed to ignore the pain? Put on a happy face and pretend like everything is hunky-dory? No, that's not what God is saying. But God is saying that you have to honor the position of parenthood because it's foundational to the rest of life. And did you notice that this command doesn't say anything about children? It doesn't say anything about children. This isn't just a command for children or teenagers. It's a command for all of us. Even if you're 60 and your parents are 90, guess what you're supposed to do? Honor them. We are to honor our fathers and mothers, all of us. Regardless of our age, their age, or how good they parented us, we are to honor them. I want you to notice something else about this commandment. As Paul later points out in Ephesians, this is the first commandment with a promise. And it's a promise for long life and prosperity in the promised land. That tells us that not only are families foundational, not only are families flawed, but families in families we flourish. In families we flourish. This promise is the very definition of, of the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom means long life and prosperity. 
And if we honor our parents, and if, we're, and if we are honorable parents, moms and dads, the Bible promises us that we will flourish. Now, for the Jewish people, that meant that they would continue to have the privilege of living in the promised land. And if they failed to take this command seriously, they jeopardized their possession of the land and they risked deportation, which we know is exactly what happened to them. But doesn't that seem a little bit arbitrary? I mean, why would God tie possession of the land to how they treat their parents? What is the correlation here? Well, it's precisely because family was foundational to passing on God's promise to the next generation. You have to remember that the land that He gave them was deeply connected to His promise to Abraham that through Abraham's family, through his descendants, all the world would be blessed. In other words, the reason God chose the Jewish people and gave them the land was so that He could work His redemptive mission through them to save all of humanity. It was through these people and to this land that Jesus would come. And if children behaved dishonorably towards their parents, not only was that in and of itself sinful, but by being dishonorable toward their parents, they would cut themselves off from the very ones that God entrusted to pass on His truth and His promise. They risked losing their mission in the world to be the people of promise, to be that kingdom of priests, to be the ones through whom God would bless the world. But what does this mean for us as Christians? Well, I think it means that if we nurture healthy homes, if we form families that help everyone to flourish, we will experience the blessing of being a part of God's redemptive work in the world. For Christians, it's not about the land for us. It's about the Great Commission. It's about being the kind of mature followers of Christ who raise up other mature followers of Christ so that we are telling other people and making more disciples for the kingdom of God. I'll tell you, there, there, have, there has to be nothing as, as beautiful, there has to be no blessing for a parent than to have their child profess faith in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, I pray every night for Abby's salvation. And, and Julie and I are working intentionally toward that day. And on that day, when I get to baptize her, I know I will be so happy. I'll be so thrilled. But you want me to tell you what will make me even more proud, what will make my heart just swell up and burst, is the day I baptize a child in this baptistry because Abby led them to the Lord. I don't just pray for my daughter's salvation. I pray that she will fall so in love with Jesus that she will become a maker of disciples. And see, when we honor our parents and when we parent in honorable ways, we will flourish, not just emotionally, not just physically and relationally, but spiritually. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And one way we can experience that fullness of life is by living out this commandment. Jesus came to help us experience long life and prosperity, shalom, not just individually, but as families. Now that brings me to the second question I want to address this morning, and that is how do we do this? How do we honor our parents? And I want to share just a few ways based on life stages. Now there's a lot of overlap, and you'll pick that up. These aren't hard and fast, you know, delineations here of this. But, 
But I just want to kind of frame this this way. So let's talk, start by talking about children. How can children honor their moms and dads? By obeying and respecting them. Now, Ephesians 6.1, we heard this morning, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. It's the right thing to do. Children, you need to obey, which means you do what your parents say, and that means you do it willfully, pleasantly, and immediately. Amen, moms and dads? Now, the Bible teaches if you live under your parents' roof, you need to obey them. You're dependent on them for food, clothing, shelter, insurance. They have the right to call the shots. Children, obey your parents. Immediately, respectfully, willingly. What about young people? Teenagers. Well, you can honor your parents by also obeying and respecting them because I hate to break it to you, teenagers, but you're still children. You're still kids. And you're still living under mom and dad's roof and you're still dependent and they give you insurance and gas money, right? And cell phones. You've got to do what they say. But, but additionally, added to that is this element of accepting and appreciating them because, you know, the older you get, and I can remember experiencing this myself, the older you get, the more you start to realize dad is not Superman and mama is not Wonder Woman. You begin to see the chinks in their armor. You begin to realize that they're not perfect. And they don't know everything. And your dad isn't the strongest man in the world. I don't know, maybe your dad is, but I, I would not be. And so it's important, young people and young adults, to accept them in spite of their weaknesses. And even for us as grown adults, to do that. Now, what does it mean to accept? It doesn't mean you pretend they're perfect. It doesn't mean you ignore their mistakes or agree with everything they say or do. Let me share with you what acceptance means. It means first you give thanks for them. Deuteronomy 26.11 says you should rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Your parents are something good that your God has given to you, even if they were mediocre. Even if they were bad in the parenting department, there are things you can be thankful for, things you can appreciate about your parents, such as their effort. You can appreciate their effort. Listen, I've discovered parenting is a difficult Time-demanding, energy-draining job. It takes incredible energy to corral just one seven-year-old girl. I don't know how some of y'all do it. Much less teach them anything. I mean, have you ever considered how much easier your parents' life would have been if they hadn't have had you? <laughs> Think of all that energy. So you can be appreciative of their efforts. Secondly, you can be appreciative of their sacrifice because parenting is expensive. The economics alone are staggering. I went to CNN Money's website, and they've got a neat calculator on there. It's kind of depressing and scary, actually. But you type in there your age and where you live in the country, and are you married or single parent, and how many children. It's going to cost, Julia, I hate to break it to you, $300,000 to raise our daughter to maturity. $300,000! Again, I don't know how some of y'all are doing it. When a couple chooses to have kids... They're choosing to do without some things, right? So we should appreciate their sacrifice. What could your parents have afforded if they haven't spent so much money on you and your clothes and your medical bills? Thank them for their sacrifice. And you can thank them for their life. If nothing else, God used your parents to bring you into the world. Regardless of their parenting skills, you literally owe them your life. So 
To accept your parents, even in their faults and failings, means you give thanks for them. Secondly, it means you listen to them. Proverbs 23.22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. And I would add to that even when she's young. Don't despise your mother. <laughs> do them the courtesy of listening to them. Even if you don't agree. You can, you can disagree without being disagreeable. That's a whole other sermon, but it's true. Don't tune them out. They do have life experience that you can learn from. And the third way you can accept them is to forgive them. It's sad but true, but we do often hurt the ones we love the most, don't we? And if you live together for any length of time, you're going to be hurt in some way by the people in your family. That's why families have to be built on forgiveness. And today I know it's not as popular to honor your parents as it is to lay on a psychologist's couch and blame them for everything in your life. But Proverbs 20.20 20 says, If someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Bitterness is self-destructive. Unforgiveness will always hurt you more than the person you're holding the grudge against. So this morning, if you're still hurting, resentful, maybe bitter over things that your parents did in the past, in a way, you're still allowing them to control you today in a very unhealthy way. Forgiveness really is an incredibly countercultural way to live in this society. Let go of the hurts of the past, and I promise they'll begin to let go of their hold on you. If you're to accept your parents and not despise them, give thanks for what's good. Forgive what's bad, and listen to what they have to say. Even if they mistreated you severely, God doesn't want you to honor their sin. He doesn't want you to honor the wrong things they did, but for your own sake, so you can live a happy and, and long life, forgive them. And have a spirit of gratitude for what you can be thankful for. God gave you your parents for a purpose, even if you don't understand what that purpose is. And He can take the hurt in your life and even turn it around and use it for your good. And for some of you, I know this may require a counselor to help you work through your past hurts or regrets. You may need someone that you trust to go with you to talk to your parents. And, and maybe in your situation, your parents are no longer with us. What do you do then? Well, maybe you write a letter to them. Maybe you go to the cemetery and you just stand at that grave and talk to them. But whatever you're dealing with and whatever you need to do to let go of that hurt, know that your pastors, me and Ben and Matt, love you and we would pray for you and we would listen to you and we would do everything we can to help you deal with the past. And, and the last group I want to talk about are, are adults. And, and we've already been kind of talking about adults, because this certainly applies to us. But, but as adults, we also can honor our parents by affirming them and not abandoning them. I've heard it said that getting old ain't for sissies. And I can imagine that's true. Put yourself in their shoes if you have older parents. The older they get, the less friends they have to encourage and affirm them. They may feel unwanted in the marketplace despite their skills and life wisdom. We, we, just, we live in a culture that gears everything towards youth. We're, we're a youth-obsessed culture. Grown children get busy with schedules of their own. Sometimes our older parents can end up leaving, living lonely lives. Your parents have a great need to feel and know that they have made a difference in the world 
through the kind of positive contributions that your life has made, you are their affirmation. And God says that He wants you to affirm your parents for as long as they're alive. And how do you do that? Well, you can do that by staying in touch with them. I mean, every time you send a card, make a call, text a picture of the grandkids to them, you're obeying this commandment. You are honoring your father and mother. To honor means that you understand the significance of someone. And I would encourage you to honor the significance of your parents by sharing the details of your life with them because they're interested. The Bible says that we are to value treasure, and hold in highest esteem our aged parents or even our grandparents. And I want to encourage you, as someone who's lost two grandparents the past couple of years, I want to encourage you to do the right thing while you've got time to do it. Affirm them today. Listen, when, when you give flowers for them at their, at their funeral, they don't get to enjoy those flowers. Those flowers are for your benefit not for them. If you want to honor them and show them how much you love them, don't wait until they're dead. Give them flowers today. Stop by and visit them today. Pick up the phone and give them a call today and tell them you're thankful for them and how much you love them. Affirming them also means you listen to their counsel. You give them the courtesy of asking for their advice, even if you don't follow it. At least you asked for it. And by the way, this involves in-laws too. It does. I've got a wonderful mother-in-law whom I love very dearly. (laughs) You know, we have great examples in the Bible. Moses listened to his father-in-law. Ruth honored and listened to her mother-in-law. We've got good examples in Scripture for this. The Bible says that the way you treat your elderly parents is the demonstration of your true faith. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's pretty strong, isn't it? The Bible teaches that when your parents, when your grandparents, when they get too old to care for themselves, it's up to you to step up to the plate. Not the government, you. It's part of the family cycle. I mean, they used to feed, bathe, and clothe you, Right? Sometimes the roles reverse, and you're the one that has to do that for them. And God says that's part of being a Christian. Now, the application of this can mean all kinds of things depending on your life situation. For some of you, it means changing the oil in their car. For others of you, it may mean inviting them to live with you. Or it may mean hiring a nurse to care for them if they can't care for themselves. And sometimes, unfortunately, it does mean providing them with a place where they can go and live and get the care that you would not be able to give to them. The point is, it's your responsibility to make sure they're cared for. Even when Jesus was on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, He took the time to make sure that His mama was going to be cared for. You and I should do no less. Now I want to conclude with just a brief word to parents. If you want to be honored, you need to be honorable. We heard this already in our New Testament reading. Fathers... Parents, do not exasperate your children. Julia tells me that all the time. Do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the fear and admonition, in the training and instruction of the Lord. In other words, don't drive your kids nuts by being impossible to please or trying to turn them into your mini-me. Rather, bring them up to be loving, godly followers of Jesus Christ. 
As a Christian parent, your number one goal is not to make your kids be the best student or the best athlete. Your number one goal is to make your kids, to help your kids become fully, fully matured followers of Jesus Christ. That is your number one goal. And as I said, I pray every night for Abby's salvation. But you know what you need to do before you can even be concerned with that is make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't lead your children to become what you are not. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning? Is He the Lord and Savior of your life? If you were to die today, right now, do you know that you know that you would spend eternity in glory with Jesus Christ? As Billy Graham would say, it has nothing to do with going to church or reading your Bible or being a good person. It's whether or not you've confessed your sins and you have pleaded upon the mercy of God to forgive you and save you. Have you done that? If you've not done that, when we sing in just a moment, I pray you would come and let me share with you how you can know that you're a Christian today. Because that's what will enable you to then be able to help your children become Christians and follow Jesus Christ. And as I've mentioned several times, there are no perfect parents. And maybe this morning you need to come to this altar and just pray and ask God to heal the hurt in your heart to help you to forgive your parents. Or maybe you come this morning and knelt at this altar and just say, God, forgive me for not being a better parent than I am. Help me to parent in honorable ways. Help me to lead my kids to be honorable people. And the last thing I want to ask you this morning is that I pray you have a church family. You know, the family is the most common word picture in the Bible for the church. The church is the family of God. He is our Heavenly Father. God didn't save anyone to be an orphan. He wants every follower of Jesus Christ to belong to His family. And maybe this morning, First Baptist Thompson, maybe this morning you know that God wants this to be your family of faith. You know, our family of faith really in some ways is more important than our earthly families because our family of faith is what we will spend eternity as a member of. I mean, when, if you're believers, when you get to heaven... You're going to be brothers and sisters in Christ with your spouse, with your children, with your grandchildren. So let's make sure they know the Lord. And let's make sure that we're raising them up in God's family. Let's stand and let's sing together. You respond as God leads.